All right, Colossians uh, chapter 1, and even as I prayed uh, just a moment ago, uh, we are looking at a prayer uh, that Paul the Apostle has recorded for us here. Uh, He's praying for people that he had never met in person, most of them. Uh, He had never been to Colossae, and yet he had heard from uh, um, Epaphras uh, of their uh, conversion. They're hearing the gospel and responding to it. And so uh, God obviously moved him to write this letter to them, uh, to encourage and instruct them, and also uh, to um, provide for their spiritual growth. And uh, we have it today, and it can serve that same purpose for us. We have never met the Apostle Paul. Um, but uh, he wrote this, and we can profit from it. We are focusing on verses nine, ten, uh, or sorry, nine through twelve. Actually, uh, there's a request. He's recording this prayer for them. Uh, the first part of the request is verse nine, that they might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And uh, we've dealt with that in the past, not going to go over it again, but but this clearly was not uh, intended to be academic knowledge only. Just fill your brain with these facts and uh, these things that you can know. Uh, Because his second request uh, states a, a purpose, a use to which that knowledge should be put. And that is, to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And so this is talking about uh, our normal manner of living, our conduct day by day. Uh, The term walk is used uh, to refer to that. Uh, So it says we would step through life as we would, uh, time passes and hours, you know, turn into days, turn into weeks or whatever. Um, This is the living of our life. And in our mind, as those in whom the gospel has borne fruit, that's the first part of the chapter, the first eight verses, talking about the fruitfulness of the gospel. They heard the gospel, it's borne fruit in their lives, they, they've been made alive by the power of God's spirit, and, and now in the living of their lives, uh, there is to be uh, this walk and in our thinking as, as believers, uh, we ought to be comparing. That word worthy is a comparative term. Okay, so on the one side of the comparison, you've got your conduct. What did you do this afternoon? Right? And yesterday afternoon. You, you know what I'm saying, right? So, so how are you living And on the other side of the comparison is God. And not just God in a vacuum, not just God under glass, right, to be examined and uh, marveled at, but God in relationship to you, right, Uh, in the gospel and in what he has provided for you in the gospel and in the fact that you as a child of his are bought with a price. The blood of the Lord Jesus, God the Son, shed. So in our minds, there ought to be continually this comparison that we're making, recognizing that which has been done for us by the living God. And then really, you know, that our living would have the proper correspondence to that. Uh, The term worthily also is a value term. What is something worth? So when you think of what the Lord has provided for us in the gospel, what is that worth? How highly should you value that? And of course, the Bible's testimony is that it should be considered in our minds to be worth everything. So that we would be moved to love him with all of our heart and all of our mind 
and all of our soul and all of our strength. Right? That there would be nothing that we would love more than him. No thing, no person that we would love more than him. And that would, that would affect our living, wouldn't it? Right? If we could love him the way we're supposed to love him. The way he is worthy of being loved, right? For the love that he has shown to us in the sacrifice of his son for our sin, right? So this walk is what we're, we've been examining. And uh, obviously there's, there's much uh, in the scriptures that talk to us about our life as a Christian and, and what that ought to look like and communicate to us the details of the will of God and so on. But here in this passage, we have a few statements that come alongside uh, that prayer to walk worthy of the Lord and flesh out for us in the immediate context the things that Paul is uh, praying for these people. And so we've been examining those phrases, uh, the idea of unto all pleasing, and of course that's pleasing to the Lord, uh, the ideal of being fruitful in every good work. And uh, there's that picture there of something that is alive and productive. Okay, um, A dead cherry tree doesn't bear fruit. Uh, but a live cherry tree usually does bear fruit, right? And so in that image, uh, there's this picture of fruitfulness, of, of life and, and productiveness. And it is God's intent that, that that's what we would be as his children. And Jesus taught on this at length um, in the upper room discourse, John chapter 15 in particular. Uh, he talks about the fact that he's the vine, we are the branches, we are to abide in him. If we abide in him, we will bear fruit. And uh, without him, we can't do anything, right? But it is his intent that we bear much fruit. So again, uh, we've studied that at length. Uh, we saw last time this idea of increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, so that, again, this is not just academic knowledge, this is associated with our walk. So that as we are walking in accordance with his will, we come to know by experience God. We come to know him better. right? Because we have been walking in following of him. We have been walking in accordance with his will. And uh, we have seen him work right we have come to understand his working and we used uh, the example of job right and there's a man right who was tested in his walk he was a godly man right he had been walking with the lord uh, but the lord allowed him to be tested like almost nobody has been tested and what's so interesting when you come to the end of that passage, after God himself talks with him, that man says, you know, I heard about you, but now I have seen you. Right? And uh, he humbles himself before the Lord. And, and that was a very profitable experience for him. Hard. Wouldn't have signed up for it for anything, but it was very profitable for that man. Because he increased in the knowledge of God. And he did so in a way that he never could have done had those hard things not been served up by a good God right, uh, for that man. And uh, really, um, the book of Romans, we're studying Romans chapter 8 on Sunday mornings, except uh, Lord's table mornings like today. Uh, but Romans chapter 8, right? And, and you've got that famous verse that, that is really, really so precious that uh, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And uh, so we can come to know the Lord better uh, as we walk 
in accordance with his will. As we walk worthy of him, as we walk pleasing unto him, as we are bearing fruit unto all good works, we'll come to know God better. Have to. Because we can't do any of that without him. We can't. It's like Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And that brings us then to this next phrase, strengthened, verse 11, with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Right. So really, if these words weren't here, and all we've got is, okay, walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, fruitful in all good works, increasing in the knowledge of God, I mean, it sounds so good, because it is, right? And, and you know that that's what you want to do. But it's like Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 7, right? Preceding Romans chapter 8, when he says stuff like this. He says, the good that I would, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Folks, we need help. And uh, really, that's part of, of walking worthy of the Lord is to really come to understand that it's got to be God, right? We need God to work in our hearts. We need him to bring these things about, right? We don't have the ability in and of ourselves uh, to change the way we need to change if we're going to walk worthy of him. Right? It, we have to change. Because before we were saved, we weren't walking worthy of him. Right? Romans chapter 8. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible for us to please God. Right? But now as a child of God, because his spirit is dwelling within us, we have that possibility. And so these, this part of the prayer, I think, is reminding us uh, that we need to be strengthened. And of course, the source of the strength that is testified to here is God himself. Right? So let's take apart uh, these phrases in verse 11. And I trust that this will be a great blessing unto you. Uh, God is so good uh, to have not only given us the instruction not only showed us where and how we're supposed to live, but he provides the power, the strength, the ability to do that. Right? So praise the Lord for what he has provided. This term strengthened, one dictionary defines it this way, to cause someone to have the ability to do or to experience something. To make someone able, to give capability to, to enable, to strengthen, to empower. Right? So it implies that before this strengthening happened, there wasn't the ability. There wasn't the power. Right? So something happened that gave that power. And that's the picture that is here. The only other place that this word, this precise word, is found in the New Testament is in Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. There's just one verse. But Hebrews chapter 11, you uh, may be familiar, Bible geography, uh, is uh, this uh, hall of fame of faith. And you have all of these people uh, that are mentioned, many of them mentioned by name, Old Testament uh, believers, and how they had faith in the Lord and, and the things that they accomplished in their lives by faith. 
But as you get near the end of that chapter, uh, there's these general descriptions that have no names attached to them. And it's in that section that this word is used. Listen to verse 34. They quenched the violence of fire by faith. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. There's our word. Waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And then it goes on from there. But it's so interesting to me that that, the way the word is used there exactly makes the point. It's out of weakness that they were made strong. Right? And uh, really one of the, the best things that can happen to a child of God is that they come to the place where they really, really get it that they can't do it. Right? I can't do this. I need the Lord. Right? And um, we're talking about living. We're not talking about salvation. You can't do that either. Right? Uh, but we're talking about someone who is a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Only way you can be a child of God, right? Only way you can have your sins forgiven is to recognize that Jesus paid the penalty for you and uh, that he died and triumphed over death in his resurrection and he will give to you pardon of sin and the promise of eternal life if you repent and believe. Right? That's the way anyone is saved, the only way. But the idea here is that we as children of God really need to come to understand that we can't do it, that we are weak, and so we need his strength. Right? And that's what Jesus cautioned us. Even if the spirit is willing, and it should be as a child of God because his spirit is dwelling within you, spirit should be willing but fact, flesh is weak, right? So we need his strength, right? And uh, that's what Paul is anticipating. So for us to walk worthy of the Lord, we need to be strengthened because without the strengthening, what have we got? Weakness, right? So we need to be strengthened. Now, the way this is put then is very encouraging because... Uh, it doesn't say strengthened a little bit. It says strengthened with all might. And uh, so what Paul is praying here is that, you know, that when it comes to the matter of strength, strength to actually walk day by day, Strength to actually walk however many days the Lord's going to give you, right? That you're not going to get, you know, 120 miles down the road and run out of gas kind of a thing, right? Uh, so the picture here is strengthened with all might. All that we will need uh, is available to us. And really, in the mind and heart of God, because this is God's word, not just the Apostle Paul's word, it is God who desires that we would be strengthened with all might. Is that not consistent with the way God has revealed himself to his children? Is it not consistent to see and to understand that God's intent is that he would provide for us everything that we need. Right? Uh, this is uh, exactly the point that the scripture makes again and again. We saw this earlier. Uh, keep your finger in Colossians. Let's flip ahead to Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power has given unto us 
all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. He's given us all things that we need right? that pertain to life and godliness. And that's what Paul is picking up here in this prayer in Colossians 1. So the prayer is that we would be strengthened with all might. God obviously is the source of this, and we do have Bible to support that. Uh, Let's uh, go back uh, past Colossians to Ephesians. We'll come back to Colossians in just a minute, but Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, you have Paul praying again. Uh, He does that a lot in his epistles. Do you? Right? Do I? Do we pray? Do we pray for the things that Paul prays for? We should, right? He's showing us an example. Uh, so, folks, we ought to pray these things too. Ephesians 3, he's praying again. Uh, here for the Ephesians. Uh, notice verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. And so clearly, God the Spirit is the source of this strength. And here, uh, Paul again is praying that God would grant this. And again, the measure according to the riches of his glory. We'll come back to that in Colossians, or that idea in Colossians in just a minute. But strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. And, And what kind of things can that produce? Look at the end of the chapter, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, that's our word for strength or might, that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Folks, it's a glorious thing that God intends to do in the lives of his children, that he would impart to us the strength to live godly lives in the world that we live in. Folks, it's a crazy world out there. It's a wicked world out there. It is an increasingly openly wicked and ungodly world out there. And God wants you to shine as a light in the midst of that darkness and he'll give you the strength to do it. Uh, it will come from him and he will be faithful to provide it. Right? And that is, and, and again, you know, it, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think with this power that works in us. Right? And so the Lord uh, is desirous to give that to us. Now, in Ephesians 3, uh, verse 16, the phrasing was that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. Let's go back to Colossians, and I said there would be similar language to that here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul is praying that we would be strengthened with all might according to... His glorious power. Okay, so there is this imparting of strength in place of our weakness with all might, all power that we need, and it's according to His glorious power. Now, the term for power here is a different one than has already been used in the verse. And it's always uh, interesting where you have these synonyms that are kind of piled on top of each other. Uh, the Lord does that for emphasis, but also because there are, there are many facets to uh, power, for example, uh, that he wants us to think about 
when we're reading these verses. So this particular term, his glorious power, you've got the term for glory, but you've got a term that is translated power. Now some versions translate it might. But this is a term, one dictionary uh, defines it as the power to rule or control. Okay, So it is a power that has might in it, but it's, it's derived from the power to rule. In fact, the term, uh, I think it occurs 12 times, six of the times, uh, it, it occurs in uh, statements like this. Uh, keep your finger in Colossians. Let's flip to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. This is just one example. It, it occurs in um, some other places as well. But 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, you have, uh, this is uh, the one of the passages <clears throat> that talks about spiritual gifts and the exercising of spiritual gifts. First uh, Peter chapter 4, just a, a, a brief section that talks about that, <clears throat> but notice how it's put, verse 11. If any man speak, and the idea here is that you speak as in preaching, right? proclaiming the gospel, the word of God. First uh, Peter 4, 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, the word of God, if any man minister or serve, so here are the nonverbal uh, gifts, right? Using of our abilities that don't involve speaking as such. Let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise or glory and dominion forever and ever. Right? So here he's talking about, here we are just ordinary people. And some of us are going to preach. And some of us are going to minister otherwise to people. Right? We're going to serve and minister. It all ought to be done as from God. Right? The one who's preaching is not preaching his own word. He's preaching God's word. The one who's serving is doing so not in their own strength, but in the ability and strength that God provides. What's the result? God is glorified. Should he be? That's why he says... Uh, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Right? And the idea, and the word dominion, by the way, is our word power or might from Colossians 1. Okay, that we would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. This power that he alone possesses to rule and control. What does he rule and control over? Everything. He's God. Right? He's the creator of it all. And he has dominion over it all. So that's the idea that is brought into the picture when Paul is praying that as you walk worthy of the Lord, you would be strengthened, and the strength is according to. That's a word that is, according to a dictionary, it speaks of, it's a marker of correspondence. Fancy word, right? But the strength that is being provided to you corresponds to his glorious power, dominion, right? Uh, you see this word used in one of my, well, there's lots of my, uh, but one of my favorite passages of Scripture, right? Revelation chapter 5. 
And in Revelation chapter 5, we have <clears throat> this statement. Uh, and again, the whole chapter is good, <clears throat> but... Uh, let me see here. Where the redeemed is... Uh, sorry, I didn't put it in my notes. I thought I could remember it, but... Here we go. Verse 13. Every creature, every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power. That's our word for dominion. Be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever. Right, And this is that glorious scene in heaven where you've got uh, God on his throne and you've got the lamb, as it were, that had been slain. And you've got the 24 elders and the four beasts and you've got myriad upon myriad, thousands upon thousands of voices. And they're gathered and this is part of what they're saying. right? Attributing to that person, right? that Godhead, one being existing in three persons, uh, this honor and glory and dominion. The strength that is available to you as a child of God to walk worthy of the Lord is corresponds to His glorious power. And as Paul put it in Ephesians, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Folks, this is God who would give you that strength. And God has all the strength. He has all of it. Right? He has all the dominion. And so, <clears throat> we have this idea then. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're going, I'll just remind you of the prayer. Paul is praying that we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power, that's our word from Colossians 1, 11, and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, that's the idea of might and power, dunamis, right? that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right? So here is this idea of our being strong in the Lord, uh, even against our spiritual adversaries. And the chapter goes on, uh, to elaborate on that. But if you go back to chapter 1 of Ephesians, and we look at another one of Paul's prayers, <clears throat> and he is praying for these people, uh, verse 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know these three things. Number one, what is the hope of his calling? Number two, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
according as sorry according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and not only raised him from the dead but set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places notice far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Folks, this God who is the source of the strength that will be given to you is the one who is far above all power. Right? We are strengthened with might according to his glorious power. His a glorious dominion. And that dominion is a dominion that is above everything. And it's proven in the raising of God the Son from the dead and his ascension to the right hand of the Father. Right? He is above all of it. And he is the source of the strength for you, for me, in our daily walk. Who are we? I'm just little old me. Who am I? And yet God is for us. Right? God has loved us. He sent his son to die for us. His spirit indwells us. He's transforming us. Isn't he doing that? He is doing that. He's transforming us. Right? My walk today is not what my walk was yesterday, five years ago. Ten. He's changing me. His power is changing me. Right? Praise the Lord for that. This is what is available to us. This is what Paul prays. And so, folks, there is truly no excuse. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, you know, yeah, I know, I've got this really bad habit, and, but, but that's just me. I, I can't change. There's no excuse, folks. Not when you've got power like that available to you. There is no excuse. There is no excuse for any child of God to persist in our sinful conduct. None. Right? Save right, the weakness of our flesh and we're not availing ourselves of what God has made available. And maybe we're not praying. Folks, really, this is a prayer. He's praying this prayer. We ought to pray this prayer. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Pray it. Pray it. Pray it. God will do it. Uh, He will do it. This is what he wants to do. And maybe we have not because we ask not. So what are you going to do with this strength? Well, you're going to walk. And you're going to walk some more. And then you're going to get up the next day and you're going to walk some more. And then there will be another one. And another one. And you're walking. Right? Um, one, we had a all-hands meeting at work the other day. And there's this guy, and no joke, I mean, he said he's not lying. So you take him at his word, but he said that during COVID, because he had nothing else better to do, he walked from Turkey to India. Amazing. Took him a, I forget, he told us how long it took, long time. He walked. Just walked, got up the next day and walked. Walk some more. Okay? 
whoa, that sounds like work, but he walked, right? So, again, what are we strengthened to? Strengthened, verse 11, unto all patience. That's endurance. Steadfastness. Bearing up under the weight and the load and the stress and the burden. Bearing, you just keep on going. Right? You're running with endurance the race that is set before you. Right? And folks, true children of God, they endure how long? To the end. They endure to the end. Right? And they're saved in the end. Right? And so it is unto all, and notice that word all again, unto all patience and long-suffering. The word patience, again, as I mentioned, a capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances, to be able to endure. And folks, it is hard to walk a walk worthy of the Lord. It is hard. Right? You've got a whole world that is against you, for the most part. Right? Praise the Lord for brothers and sisters in Christ that are an encouragement to us. Aren't you thankful for that? Right? Don't you value that? Right? That you can, you, you, know, you know that there are these people and they're praying for you as you pray for them and so on. And we share the walk together and we're growing together. Right? That's the way God intends it. Thank the Lord for that. Right? But here is this ability to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Right? We live in a world that is not friendly to God or to God's people. So we do need endurance. Right? And that's the thing. Folks, it's not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon. Right? And you you need strength. You need that strength to keep on going. I need it. We all need it. But God's got it. And he'll give it to us by his power. Another dictionary describes the word this way, steadfast endurance. The power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward fortitude necessary to do that. This term occurs... I already alluded to it, right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, that's this word, the race that is set before us. It's also found, and turn with me to James chapter 1, We've been in this passage recently as well. Uh, James chapter 1. Right? So we are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience, steadfast, endurance, and perseverance. That's what we are strengthened unto. And what's interesting here is James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works endurance. But let endurance have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Folks, it is God's wisdom. As we saw with Job, it is God's wisdom to allow into the life of his children various trials. His intent is not our destruction. His intent is our perfection. And he will give us, and what we're seeing from Colossians, right, is that in order for these trials to work the endurance in us, we need his strength. Folks, truly, nobody 
can stand under those trials without him, truly. Nobody can maintain the fruit of the Spirit and righteous conduct and response under those kinds of trials without him. We need him, right? But his strength is available and it will be there for us as we lay hold of it by faith, right? So we've got this great work that God is doing in us. Then there's another word back in Colossians 1. Uh, It's a synonym. So we are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering. And uh, this word, sometimes translated patience, and so you may have a version as well, that translates the first word, you know, steadfastness, and the second word, patience, or something like that. Uh, This word, one dictionary defines it as a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune and without complaint or irritation. Patience. And then the the same dictionary goes on to add this, and this is just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's colorful. In a number of languages, patience, this word, is expressed idiomatically, for example, to remain seated in one's heart, or to keep one's heart from jumping or to have a waiting heart. Kind of interesting. So they're just saying in some languages, you know, these idioms kind of communicate the idea, right? So to keep one's heart from jumping. I like that one. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's, it's that we don't, you know, we don't light a fire within us, right? There's not this jump to impatience or irritability or or whatever. There's this calm spirit uh, is the idea. And again, that's in the face of provocation. Any provocation going to happen as you walk along life? Yeah, there'll be all kinds of it, right? Because, you know, the people that you're walking along life with, right, that you're sharing life with, guess what? In case you hadn't noticed, they're sinners too. And sometimes they're going to sin against you. And that's provoking, right? But though you can't control them and you can't prevent them from sinning against you, by God's grace and with his strength, You cannot sin in response. That's what this patience is doing. This long-suffering is doing. It's keeping you from sinning in response. That's the idea, right? So as we're walking along life, you're going to respond to all kinds of things that are happening as you walk along life. And God, will he's interested in providing you the strength to keep you from sinning as you respond to those provocations of life, right? So this is what Paul is praying for. And we're going to see this idea of long-suffering later in chapter 3. This is part of the memory work that we're working on as a church on Sunday mornings. Uh, This putting off and putting on. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 12, we are told to put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. There's our word. It's part of your sanctification, right? That you put this on. It's also, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, part of the fruit of the Spirit. So you need God, right? He'll produce it in you. You can't produce it in you, right? In an, apart from God, right? It's the fruit of His Spirit. And so we need his strength to enable us to walk this way, right? So this is the walk. This is the will of God. It is the will of God that you, as a child of God, be strengthened in this manner, 
right? So that you will endure, so that you won't respond in a sinful manner, and that you will uh, get to the end of the race, and God will be glorified. Now, praise the Lord that he has given us everything that we need to do that. We, our part, is to believe the Bible. Our part is to lay hold of these things by faith. Our part is to insist on living these things. Right? When I say insist, my point is, you're going to have to talk to yourself about this. Right? And you're going to have to say, no, this is the way I have to walk. I will, by God's grace, walk this way. Lord, I want to walk this way. Lord, help me walk this way. And he will help you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do need your strength. We thank you that you have said it is available for us. And so we ask for it. You have all power and all might. You have all dominion. You are above all other powers and mights and dominions. Lord, you are above everything. And you have said that you would give to your people this kind of power that we might walk worthy of you that we might walk unto all pleasing, that we might be fruitful in every good work, that we might truly increase in our knowledge of you as your power is working in and through us. And so, Lord, we ask for this. We pray that you would do it for us as your children. Are we deserving of it? Not a bit. But, Lord, you have said you would do it. So we ask for it and we are not ashamed to ask and we confess our dependence upon you for it to happen. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do this good work in us. Give us a heart for it, Lord. Give us a desire for it. Help us not to not pray. Lord, help us to pray, to ask for it. And we will have it because you have promised And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the counsel of your word. Thank you for an apostle like Paul who prayed for these people in such a manner. You are a good God to us. And we are so thankful to be your children. And we want, Lord, for you to do this good, transforming work in us. We will praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.